Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the I May Be Wrong podcast. I'm your host, Ryan White. Thank you all for tuning in. I know it's been a while since you've heard from me. Uh, my better half had a very intense surgery a few weeks ago, so I've been out taking care of her. Had to take a step back from the mic and just uh, help her through this recovery. I appreciate everyone's patience, and even more, we appreciate everyone's support and everybody's prayers uh, through this recovery. It means a lot to both of us. But as I said, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be back on the mic. Happy to be back here with y'all. There's been so much going on in the world of sports over the past few weeks. Uh, we just saw the World Series end last week with the Washington Nationals. Shout out Javi Guerrero from Denton, Texas. Got a World Series ring on the way. Uh, proud of that guy. Good to see good things happen to good people. The NBA season is also off to a good start. Off to a very exciting start. LeBron and the Lakers looking good right now. Even the Mavericks look good right now. In the East, you got Giannis and those guys. The Bucks looking good. It's a very exciting season. No telling where it's going to go. Still got a lot of games left. But today we're going to start off talking about the NFL. See, this is my favorite time of year because right now is when you really start to see contenders start to separate themselves even more than they already have. You know, you start to learn more about your team as the season goes along. You start to see their identity come out. It's been fun to watch. The San Francisco 49ers are the last remaining undefeated team. Uh, my Patriots suffered their first loss on Sunday at the hands of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. As y'all can imagine, my phone was blown up for about three and a half hours Sunday night. Friends and family texting me, Ryan, you good? You okay? You all right over there? You need anything? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm perfectly fine because I watched every Patriots game this season, and I'll be the first to tell you, I knew trouble was coming. I knew it was coming sooner or later. The defense had looked great this year. They were on a record-setting pace. But keep in mind, we hadn't played anyone. So while the defense did look great, it wasn't against just any elite quarterbacks or any elite offenses. But nevertheless, they were taking care of business. On the other hand, the offense hadn't hadn't looked good at all this season. I mean, they just haven't been able to put a full game together where everything seemed to be clicking. For whatever reason, whether it was injuries on the offensive line or roster changes at the receiver position, whatever it was, the offense just hasn't looked good. So New England's first true test comes on a Sunday night football game on the road in Baltimore, and Lamar Jackson put on a show. I was hoping that Belichick would do it do what his defenses typically do, which is take away the opposing team's strength. The Ravens' strength is running the ball, and on Sunday night, they ran all over New England. There was just no answer for Lamar Jackson. And on top of that, the Patriots didn't even look like the Patriots we've come to know. They kept shooting themselves in the foot with uncharacteristic penalties, and it, and it started early. It, this isn't something that started happening you know, late in the second quarter. No, it started on the first drive of the game when the Ravens were... Uh, they had got a stop against the Ravens inside the 10-yard line. Uh, so Ravens were kicking a field goal. Patriots jump off sides. It was fourth and three. Ravens get an automatic first down at about the four or five-yard line. And that's practically giving Lamar Jackson the green light to go ahead and run it in for a touchdown. And he did. He jogged in and looked back at the Patriots while he did it. Then the offense comes out, and they go three and out on their first two series. The Ravens were lining up in a pistol formation. Uh, for those of y'all that don't know what that is, that's when the running back and the quarterback are both in shotgun, but the running back is about two or three yards behind the quarterback. 
so it makes the zone read even more difficult for opposing defenses to track. Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram ran the ball down the Patriots' throats. Ran it down their throats. They were gashing them left and right all night. When the Patriots finally were able to get something going on offense, they, they had switched things up, caught the Ravens off guard by going no huddle, and it was working. They drove downfield quickly, but that ended because Julian Edelman, out of all people, fumbled the ball. The Ravens picked that fumble up, run it back for a touchdown. So in that first, I don't know, quarter and a half, the Patriots gave them 11 points. Throw in all the penalties, throw in the Ben Watson drop ball on what would have been a crucial third down conversion, and instead the Patriots end up punting. Baltimore made the Patriots pay all night. They made them pay for every single mistake. And they just had no answer for Lamar Jackson. No answer for him. He made our defense look slow at every position. So, of course, my phone was blowing up. Everybody was going crazy. And I'll, I'll tell y'all the same thing I told everybody that was texting me Sunday night or Monday morning. The Patriots will see the Ravens again in January. Most likely in Foxborough if the Patriots get, lock up that number one seed. And we'll see what happens then because it's it's nice to beat them in November, but can you beat them when it really, really matters, when everything's on the line? That remains to be seen. So everybody just take a deep breath and calm down. I never thought that New England was going to go undefeated this year. I don't think any team in the NFL is going to go undefeated. This is the NFL. It hasn't happened since the 70s, and it's probably not going to happen for a while if it does. I like to focus on the big picture, and the, the big picture is... Where will your team be standing come playoff time? The, the losses, while it, it's not a good thing to see, at least it came right now. Patriots will clean that up. Got a bye week coming. You know Belichick's going to do what Belichick does. He'll get everybody ready, and they'll start making that late season push. And like I said, we'll see in January what happens. One of my boys hit me up earlier today, and he asked me, he was like, Hey, White, who would your MVP be right now? And I didn't even hesitate because I felt the same all season. It's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is carrying his team right now. Seattle is seven and two. Russell Wilson has thrown for over 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns to one, I repeat, one interception. The Seahawks are second in that division, uh, sitting right there behind the 49ers that are eight and zero, and they have to play the 49ers twice over these next seven games. So things are going to sort themselves out. If Russell Wilson is able to beat the 49ers and, and win that division, then it's only going to help his case for the MVP. He's been the most consistent performer week in and week out. So let's see if he keeps it going. Now, that's no disrespect to other guys that are in the MVP conversation. I just talked about Lamar Jackson and, and what he's been able to do, not only to the Patriots, but to everyone this season. Of course, Christian McCaffrey comes to mind. He leads the NFL in all-purpose yards right now and in rushing touchdowns with 10. And to go along with that, he's got four receiving touchdowns. I like what Dalvin Cook is doing in Minnesota. He leads the NFL in rushing yards right now. Hands-down comeback player of the year. And then, of course, Deshaun Watson. I can't say enough about what that young man is doing in Houston. I love, love, love watching Deshaun Watson play. He just has that it factor. The things he's able to do when it seems like a play is breaking down or the pocket's collapsing on him, he's still able to get out of there, extend the play, and find an open receiver. There was a play a couple weeks ago, that exact scenario happened. A defender had his arms wrapped around him. Deshaun Watson spent out of the tackle, got kicked in the face while doing so, Kicked in the, right above the eye, 
he adjusts his helmet during the play and is looking out of one eye, makes a throw, and hits Daniel Fells for a touchdown. I mean, that's just stuff you can't coach. He just has that it factor. He's one of my favorite players to watch. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and you can never count him out. I love watching him play. I can't forget about Aaron Rodgers. While the Packers did kind of take a step back on Sunday, I don't know what happened there in, in LA. I really don't. I'm, I'm guessing that the team went out the night before. They just wanted to go enjoy themselves, showed up for the game on Sunday, and it did not look good for the Packers offense at all. They had 11 total points, and I was they had to scrape to get those 11 points. But nevertheless, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, so I expect him to bounce back. Again, all these guys are having fantastic years so far. We'll see how it ends, and, and then we'll see where things go, see who ends up coming out on top and, and taking that MVP away. And no disrespect to any of those guys, but for right now, I'm rolling with Russell Wilson. A lot of football left to be played, so we'll see. I love this time of the season. We're starting to see the playoff picture get clearer and clearer each week. We're starting to see who the true contenders to win a Super Bowl are. I've taken a look at most of the top team schedules, and it seems like all of their schedules get tougher over the second half of the season. Things are already tight, more so in the NFC than in the AFC. Just listen to this. Listen to how tight the NFC playoff race is. I'm going to go one seed through nine seed right here. Only six will get in. San Francisco, 8-0. New Orleans, 7-1. Green Bay, 7-2. Dallas, 5-3. Now, they're at the four seed because it goes by winners of the division and by best record as well. So, Dallas at the four seed at 5-3. Seattle, seven and two. The Vikings, six and three. Those two teams are the wild card teams as of right now. On the outside looking in, at seven, eight, nine, you got the Rams and Panthers at five and three, and the Eagles at five and four. You look at the AFC, you got the Patriots at eight and one, the Ravens at six and two, Texans at six and three, Chiefs at six and three, Bills six and two, Colts five and three, and then Steelers and, and Raiders on the outside looking in, both at four and four, surprisingly trying to make a push. Everyone had counted both those teams out, myself included. I counted the Steelers out as soon as Ben Roethlisberger went down. But maybe they'll make a little push, who knows? Back to what I was saying, back to the NFC, everything is going to sort itself out here pretty soon, especially, like I said, San Fran has to play Seattle twice. They got to play the Rams one more time. So although they're undefeated right now, that doesn't mean anything. They could end up getting the, the fifth or sixth seed, and Seattle could end up winning that division. You just never know. You look at the NFC North. You got Green Bay at seven and two, but right on their heels, the Vikings are six and three. What's going to happen in that division? Look at the NFC East. Dallas is five and three. The Eagles are five and four. Dallas has one win over the Eagles already. They have to play each other in Week 16. I have a feeling that game is going to be very important. Both teams will still be in that playoff hunt and trying to clinch that division at that time. I know I'm not the only one who watched Monday Night Football the other day. And during that first half, it seemed like it was going to happen. And it was like, oh, man, here we go again. The Cowboys will be the Cowboys. Here we go again. Dak throws a pick on the first play, shooting themselves in the foot. Just a bunch of self-inflicted wounds. But the good news is they were able to overcome it. They didn't do what we're used to seeing. They overcame it. Dak ends up throwing for, I think, 300 yards and three touchdowns. Zeke rushes for 100 yards, I think 139. That's three straight games Zeke has gone over 100 yards. That's three straight now. It took him a, that, those first few to get his legs under him, but now we're starting to see the Zeke we're used to seeing. Told y'all not to count the Cowboys out. 
I told you, Ray. They're all right. They're going to be all right. Just watch. But that's another story. Shout out to my boy, Ray. You look over in the AFC. The Patriots schedule is, is already getting tough. They started with the Ravens. Now these next four games, they have to go to Philadelphia. They get Dallas in New England. They get the Texans in New England. And then they have to go to Kansas City, I believe. But those are their next four games. Those aren't easy. The Ravens' next four games aren't easy either. Well, let me take that back. After this coming Sunday, after they blow out <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals, those four games aren't easy. The Ravens will play the Texans, the Rams, the 49ers, and the Bills over those next four weeks. So the playoff race is not over. Nobody needs to panic. Unless your team is completely out of it, then you, you just get to sit back and enjoy the show. So much football left, and I'm excited for every single minute of it. Real quick, I want to jump over to college football. The first playoff committee rankings were released this week, and fan bases are already overreacting. Even though it's known that the initial rankings that come out every single year have not been how it ends up. The initial four never end up getting in. It's never all four, and even the one seed doesn't end up being the one seed most of the time. With that said, the rankings did catch some people off guard, myself included. Now, I wasn't shocked, but it did catch me off guard. So I'll go through those for you really quick. Number one, Ohio State. Number two, LSU. Three, Alabama. Four, Penn State. Five was Clemson. Six, Georgia. Seven, Oregon. Eight, Utah. And nine, OU. Uh, Baylor, who is undefeated, they came in at 12. But as far as the rest of the teams, for the most part, their chances of reaching the playoffs are gone. And for those of you that are upset because your team, you don't, you think your team should be higher, well, all you got to do is be patient because things are about to work themselves out. And look no further than this weekend. We got one of the biggest games of the year, LSU traveling to Bama, and that rivalry game is going to have a huge impact on the playoffs. And I honestly could see the loser of this game getting in, getting in if they kept it close. If it's a three-point loss, you mean to tell me that not, the committee isn't going to put in two SEC teams? We've seen it happen before, so it could definitely happen again. But the SEC isn't the only conference that could have two teams get in. The Big Ten has three undefeated teams right now. Ohio State, Penn State, and Minnesota. Minnesota is 8-0. They get Penn State this weekend in what would be the biggest home game for them in quite some time. Then in a couple of weeks, Penn State is going to go play at Ohio State. I'll say it again. Things will sort themselves out. As for the two big matchups this weekend, I'll go ahead and take Penn State winning on the road, but I won't be surprised if Minnesota wins at all. P.J. Fleck is one hell of a coach. This is his third year, and he's built that program up. Uh, I think his first year they won two games. Last year they won five or six. This year, so far, they're 8-0. Just a great job that he's doing. And Minnesota is very smart for extending his contract a few days ago after learning that Florida State had just fired Willie Taggart. They knew that their coach's name would be at the top of that list, so they went ahead and extended that contract. Don't have to worry about him leaving for a while. Maybe. You know, college coaches, they're pretty non-committal these days. But let's talk about the big game. Number two versus number three, LSU versus Alabama. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that all 32 teams of the NFL will be represented uh, with scouts on hand for this matchup. Not only are Tua and Joe Burrow the top two Heisman candidates, but they're also the top two quarterbacks for the upcoming draft. Now, I haven't considered this a rivalry for a few years now, 
Uh, LSU hasn't beaten Bama since 2011. Since 2011, they have not beaten Bama. But with this new look offense, maybe they can end that streak Saturday. LSU's receiving core is pretty damn good. Alabama's receiving core is great. Get to watch Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle go against the secondary of LSU. And of course, I'll have my eyes on that matchup. Jerry Judy is, I told y'all before, my favorite receiver in college football. Just watching him from everything to from speed, agility, lateral quickness, hands, route running, the precision, his football IQ is, is through the roof. Watching him play, it just makes me excited to see him play on Sundays. I'm kind of intrigued to see how LSU is going to defend him. Do they double him or do they go man-to-man -man across the board and see what happens? And then on the flip side, you'll see LSU's receivers going against the two great DBs against Alabama. Uh, those two corners, Patrick Sertan Jr. and Trevon Diggs, uh, younger brother Stefan Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings. But we'll see those two going against Jamar Chase and... Justin Jefferson and Brandon Marshall will see see those matchups. It's going to be a good game. Going to be a good game. And I'm ready for it. Both secondaries are good, so I'll have my eyes on those matchups the entire game. Now, as far as who's going to come out on top, I'm going to go ahead and go with Bama in this one. It's, it's a hard task to go into Tuscaloosa and leave victorious. It's tough to do. And I'm not knocking LSU. I respect what they've done. Y'all know they beat my Longhorns. Why did I even bring them up? It, um, let me, I don't want to digress. <laughs> Y'all know LSU beat my horns, but I'm just going with what I know. And I know Nick Saban is going to have his team ready. That game is going to be at 2.30 on Saturday. They play at the same time that my Longhorns play. Things have been up and down for Texas over the last month. Had the loss to OU and barely beat Kansas with the last second field goal. Followed that up with a terrible performance against TCU. Ended with a loss a couple weeks ago. So as a result, Texas finds themselves unranked. So Saturday, they'll be playing the number 16 team, Kansas State, in Austin. That game is crucial for Tom Herman and the Longhorns. I'm riding with my horns, of course. If they're able to get the W, it'll keep their hopes up for making it to the Big 12 title game. And I really need that to happen. Texas, I really need that to happen. We can't take a step back. Last year was, was so fun for me. I can't I can't take a step back. Please don't do that to me. I told y'all they're the only team that will legit ruin my day if they lose. They it just does something to me. I, I can't explain it. Need them to get a W. Really need it to happen. But there you have it. I'm, like I said, I'm taking Penn State to beat Minnesota, and I'm taking Bama, and I'll pray that Texas can come out victorious. And last thing but not least, before I get out of here, I told y'all, I told y'all what was gonna happen. I tried to warn everybody. I tried to warn all my friends who were in my face last season during the NBA season. I told them LeBron was gonna bounce back. And my, has he done just that. Clearly he heard all the talk about him being washed. And three triple doubles later, that talk is starting to diminish. Every picture he's posting on Instagram, he's hashtagging it, Washed King, and I love it. I love it. I love to see him shutting people up. He's, the Lakers have the one seed right now. He's got everybody going. Him and AD look great together. LeBron's got it clicking right now. Still a lot of time left, but I'm rolling with the King. And I know LeBron haters hate to see it. I know they hate to see it. And I love it. 
I love it. Doing his thing, man. Got the crown on his head right now. The king is back. I told y'all he was coming back with a vengeance, and that's what he's doing. Thank y'all so much for listening. It feels great to be back. I follow my IG page, I may be wrong podcast, underscore after each word. Also, I have a Twitter now, so if y'all want to add me on that, please feel free. Same name. So go ahead and follow me. Add me on there. I'll follow you back. Like I said, LeBron is back. The King is back. I may be wrong, but I doubt it. I'll see y'all next time.